Welcome to the Show Up Podcast with me, your host, Natalie Norton. This podcast is all about having the courage to be a really good human and living the kind of life that genuinely fires you up every single day. Are you ready to become your best self and truly show up for your life, come what may? Me too. Let's do this thing. I know you, you understand me, babe. Girl, you're my best friend. Hey, you. I'm so glad that you're here today. This is episode five of the Show Up podcast. And today we're going to be talking about silencing the inner critic. The inner critic. Ooh. If you're a human person listening to this podcast, chances are really, really good that this is something that you can relate to. That voice in your head that says dark, crazy, sometimes really mean and hurtful things. If people knew who you really are, nobody your would love you. goals are just dreams that won't ever come true. You are never going to get it together. It's too late. You waited too long and you missed your chance. You're always so awkward. It's embarrassing. You're too fat to be loved romantically. Who do you think you are? Why even try? You always fail. This voice, it's a voice of criticism. It's a voice of shame. And often it is a voice of straight up abuse. And let me tell you what scares me the most about this voice. The scary thing to me is that more often than not, this voice, this inner critic, it is left completely unchecked. It's allowed to just run amok inside of our minds. And it scares us away from doing and from becoming all of those things that we really deeply feel inspired or compelled or desirous to do and to become. You are so fat. You're disgusting. I am not enough. I'm not as good as everyone else. You are not enough. They're better than me. Nobody likes me. You are not as good as everyone else. Your efforts always fail. You will never be as good at this as anybody else. I'll never amount to anything. You should just quit. I'm wasting my time. Isn't it just so jarring when you hear it all just spoken aloud like that? But for most of us that are listening, what we're hearing here isn't really that far a cry from what's going on within the privacy of our own minds every day. And these voices, this narrative, it is such a pervasive and such a continuous presence in our lives and our minds that often we aren't even consciously aware of it. And sometimes, and in fact, quite often, we actually begin to identify with that voice as if it's our own. How scary is that? I want to tell you guys a quick story. When I was growing up, we had two dogs. And like many dogs the world over, anytime anybody came to the front door, our dogs would bark and run as fast as they could, like maniacs, to the front door to see who was there. And every time this would happen, my dad would start to yell, hey, hey, knock it off, knock it off. And he would yell at the dogs. And I remember one time, we were all sitting in the living room. I don't remember what we were doing. Somebody came to the front door. The dogs started to bark, and my dad started to yell, and my mom turned to my dad, and she said, Greg, every time you do that, you realize that they don't know that they're being yelled at. You realize that they, they don't understand that you're telling them no, that you don't want them to do that. They think you're joining in. Every single time they bark, as far as they're concerned, you are just barking right along with them. And sure enough, it was such a trigger for my dad every single time that those dogs would bark. My dad would chase right after them with his own quote-unquote bark, right? No, stop it. Knock it off. Oh, you dumb dogs. Right? (laughs) 
And without even giving it a second thought, still, to this day, my dad, for lack of a better word, joins the pack, right, every time that those dogs bark. And now I'm a grown-up, and I have a house of my own and a dog of my very own, and I'm constantly guilty of the same thing. It's just like this strong compulsion. It's such a trigger. I don't even realize I'm doing it, right? Someone comes to the door, Velzi loses his mind. Velzi, knock it off! And for the sake of this analogy, of this story, tying this in to what we're talking about here with the inner critic, I want you to think about it this way. It is no more or no less ridiculous and absurd for my dad or for me to behave like a part of the pack, like an actual dog, than it is for you or for I to identify with the inner critic as if its voice is our own, right? We hear the dog bark and we yell, we're triggered by it, we follow, we get up in the same crazy barking space, we hear the inner critic and we immediately follow its trajectory and its path and go, oh, that's true. Whether we're consciously aware of it or not, and normally we are not, we're identifying with this inner critic. And then we're all bummed and we're wondering why our confidence is shot and why we're not as outgoing or as ambitious as we used to be right? Let that settle for a minute because I know that you relate. So what gives? Well, first, I think that it is important to identify what the inner critic actually is in the first place and where it comes from. So people that are way smarter than me, like people with lots of fancy letters after their names, they say that the inner critic comes from early life experiences. Um, We internalize these experiences, and some may be negative experiences that we've picked up from parents or caregivers, Um, either negativity that is directed towards us personally or even negativity that is directed towards themselves. So, for example, hearing a parent constantly say, oh, my gosh, I'm so fat, or, ew, I look disgusting in this, those kinds of things, we internalize those experiences, and they become a part of that voice, that inner critic in our future. Um, It could be from interactions even with peers or with siblings um, or teachers. And over time, what these very smart people with all the fancy letters say is that this voice forms what's almost a sub-personality or I wouldn't say an alter ego, but a sub-personality of sorts. And this sub-personality, this voice is hell-bent on keeping us down and holding us back. Now, I can't help but also wonder if the inner critic from like an evolutionary standpoint, so to speak was actually well-intentioned and existed for a purpose to help us, like, keep us alive, you know? (laughs) I mean, think about it for just a second. You touch fire, it hurts. So your inner critic berates you. So you remember that touching fire is bad, or you, like, pet a cobra, or try to ride an alligator. And the inner critic is like, hey, this is stupid. Don't repeat those stupid things, you stupid idiot. And then I think that as time went on, the inner critic worked to protect us from new dangers when the dangers weren't as much about physical survival and suddenly there were social and emotional dangers, I think that the inner critic adjusted in an attempt to keep us from getting getting booted out of a a tribe. Because, dude, without a tribe, you die. You need the protection of the tribe in order to, to exist, to survive. And I know that this all probably sounds crazy, and who knows? This is, I'm just chatting with my friends. But stay with me for a second. Now here we are in the 21st century, and the dangers that are perceived by our inner critic are irrelevant to our actual safety. But maybe the inner critic is still well-intentioned, but just misguided. And definitely, because the inner critic's desire is to keep us safe, 
it's prone towards negativity, towards a, a bias of negativity, a negativity bias. But anyway, those are just some thoughts that you can think about and determine if you think that there's any validity there. Okay, I'm going to tell you another story. I had this amazing life coaching client come to me about a year ago. I mean, this woman, she was and is a rock star. She's phenomenally brilliant, um, drop dead, gorgeous, just radiant. She is such a high achiever. But her confidence at the time that she came to me was in the toilet. And she explained that it didn't seem like it mattered at all how much she achieved. It didn't matter really how much she, how, how hard she worked. No matter the actual evidence in her life, what she could see right in front of her, she constantly was battling this voice in her head that was telling her that she was worthless, that she was an imposter, that everybody hated her, that she wasn't worthy of success, and on and on and on. And so we worked on this for a while. And, and, and as a part of that work, we talked about the inner critic. And during that conversation, she said something along the lines of, well, how do I know that that's my inner critic? What's my inner critic and what's my own inner voice of reason? Which is such a good question. And admittedly, it was a question that I had to give a moment of thought before I could even respond. And here's what I came up with. These are the red flags that you're looking for to help identify the inner critic as being separate from your own voice of reason or your conscience. Anytime the thinking is hateful, abusive, or outright cruel, it's the inner critic. Um, any language that is so harsh that you would never use it with a person that you loved, that is the inner critic. Basically, anything critical surrounding looks or body image, dudes, that is always the inner critic, always. Because any of our thoughts and feelings surrounding body image are culturally conditioned. Does that make sense? They are not inherent. And so any of the hateful terminology or thoughts or critical feelings we have surrounding body image are therefore programmed, conditioned, and therefore are the inner critic. Anything that is either or, meaning thinking that everything is one or the other extreme. For example, you're either a wonderful wife and mother or you are a complete failure, scum of the earth, not worth the air you breathe. No in-between. Inner critic. The inner critic is also guilty of double dipping, meaning presenting some dark, shameful thought like you do not deserve to live. And then telling you how awful and broken and what a garbage bag you are for even thinking such a thing in the first place. See that? The double dip? Double dipping in the shame bowl? Totally always the inner critic at work. The inner critic is also guilty of rerunning the same old broken narrative over and over and over again in all kinds of varied situations. And the narrative, that narrative can't, it obviously can't be universally true or applicable, but the inner critic doesn't bother to get any new material. And why would it? Because the old material works really well, so it's constantly playing the same old broken record narratives. So those are some of the patterns that you can look for. And understanding these patterns of the inner critic is hugely important as it relates to escaping its gross, slimy grasp. Name it to tame it, right? When you identify the inner critic at work, it immediately begins to lose power. 
Now let's step back for a second to my beautiful, brilliant, wonderful client. After I'd helped her understand how to identify the inner critic, her next question was also spot on. She recognized that a lot of her life success and motivation had actually come from trying to prove that inner voice wrong. She said, what if I'm not motivated to grow and succeed without the pressure and criticism of the critic? I mean, you got to acknowledge her, her train of thought there because she's not wrong. An enemy can be highly motivational. However, my question back to her was, at what cost? Because sure, a voice like that can absolutely motivate us for a time. But first of all, it's not going to be a sustainable source of motivation. It's just not. Number two, the stress that that kind of negativity, that being motivated by that kind of negativity will inevitably lead toward, that's going to give you a lower quality of work because you're so crushed and and you're in such pressure and stress, you cannot possibly produce at your highest capacity. And number three, our confidence always being under attack, that's just not peaceful or pleasant. That's not a high quality of life. So in short, when you rely on the inner critic for motivation, it's bound to have significant and negative impact on a person's sense of self and their quality of life. So where will my client find motivation moving forward? Where will you find motivation moving forward if you fall into that category of a person who is actually quite motivated by that negative voice that's constantly snapping inside your head? This reality that I'm about to share with you is so exciting and so liberating. Are you ready? Once you let go of the inner critic, then you're free to step forward and to allow yourself to be motivated by your passion and your inspiration. Because guess where the inner critic loves to hang out? The inner critic loves to hang out at the gateway to our most significant passions, to our most significant dreams. It's it's the, the roles and goals in our lives that matter the very most to us, where the inner critic pulls out all the stops because the inner critic is a coward. The inner critic doesn't want us to take any risks or to be vulnerable, especially vulnerable to failure or disappointment of any kind. So the inner critic's primary objective is to keep us away from those things, to keep us away from trying. And once that voice is hushed, then the voice of our passion, the voice of our instinct, those things grow and they grow. And that right there is the best motivation there is. And it's been there all along. It's just been hushed. It's just been subdued by the presence of that gatekeeper to those passions and dreams, the inner critic. And once we have silenced that inner critic, those voices can shine through in profoundly inspiring and motivating ways. Okay. So yeah, we got it. We got it. We got it. Inner critic, bad. Now, now that we know all of this, what do we do about it? Here are five ways for you to work to subdue and silence the inner critic. Number one, I'm going to repeat this again. Identify the inner critic at work. Remember what I said before, we have to name it to tame it. When you call the inner critic out, 
its power immediately diminishes. And as you continue to call it out consistently over time, you're going to find that its voice gets quieter and quieter every day. Number two, resist the urge to fight fire with fire. Once we start to identify the inner critic at work, our temptation is to be like, hey, knock it off. Be quiet. Shut up. I don't want to listen to you. You are the worst, right? We're fighting fire with fire, but judgment and criticism, those are not a lasting solution because ultimately those energies are going to attract more of the same. Does that make sense? Being judgmental and critical and angry and shameful towards that inner critic is just creating more of the same energy that the inner critic already creates within you. Instead, try acknowledging the inner critic, thinking it, right? Try something like this. Hey, inner critic, I hear you. You think I'm going to fail. I hear you, and I know that you're trying to help, but I've got it from here. Thank you so much for trying to help, but I really do have it from here. I'm okay. See the difference there? Number three, you're going to get external input. When these thoughts are really recurrent, when the inner critic has really, really taken over, it's really hard to speak the things that it says out loud. But sometimes our own reasoning Often and that logic is taken over enough. so completely that we need the counter arguments and the support of a trusted friend or a mentor. We just need that external assistance. And so reach out. Don't always try to do this all alone. There's people in your life, you could, in one second, you can go to somebody and say, hey, I've been having thoughts that I shouldn't do this because I'm not talented enough. Or I've been having thoughts that I shouldn't put myself out there because I'm going to embarrass myself or whatever. We just own these things outright. And I guarantee you that the trusted people in our lives are going to be willing to say, hey, what are you talking about? And they're going to be able to give you counter arguments that you may not be able to come up with on your own because you and that inner critic are so enmeshed. That message has become so enmeshed and internalized, right? Reach out for external help. Number four, reframe the lie. Lie to truth. For example, the inner critic may say, you failed. It's over. But you are going to reframe that and you're going to say, I learned so much. I cannot wait to try again. Number five, seek solutions. Now, remember, the inner critic always focuses on failure, on lack. And when you tap into your divine light, you're tapping into this exploratory energy. And this energy is committed always to forward momentum and growth. The inner critic is all about emotions and thoughts that cause your spirit to contract, whereas your divine light is always looking to expand. So one of the best ways to counter or to silence the inner critic is to be solution-oriented. Tap into your creative energy to your divine light. When you're tapped into your divine light, the only thoughts and feelings that you will have are thoughts and feelings that evoke feelings of hope and cause your spirit to expand. And if you can stay in that creative space, in the space where you're seeking solutions, there's no place for the inner critic there because that's just not where the inner critic works. It's just not the same frequency. Does that make sense? So those are the five things. 
Let me repeat them for you. Number one, identify the inner critic. Name it to tame it. Number two, resist the urge to fight fire with fire. Remember, we're going to acknowledge that it's trying to help and then assure it that we've got it from here, that all is well. Number three, we're going to get external input. If we're really stuck, we're going to reach out and we're going to get input, counter arguments from people that we know and trust. Number four, we're going to reframe the lie and make it a truth. And number five, we're going to stay in a creative space. We're going to seek solutions. Friends, I know, I know firsthand and from being and working with so many clients over the years, struggles with confidence, struggles with a sense of direction and clarity in our lives, they can feel so looming, so intense, and so complex. But, and I say this with all sincerity, I can promise you that as you work to silence the inner critic and to step into and engage your divine light and truth, your entire world will change. And it's not that complex because once you have silenced that inner critic, you'll finally be free, free to grow and to progress in the ways that you are actually built and called to do. You, me, all of us, we are built for so much more than we can even imagine. And it's our lack of awareness of the inner critic. That is one of the primary reasons that so many of us live so far beneath our potential and so far beneath our dreams. But no longer, because we are not going to let the inner critic steal another ounce of our potential or another ounce of our self-love. Because you guys, we are inherently worthy of and capable of so much. And it is time for us to step into that power. It is time for us to step into that light. It's time for us to live the life that God truly has in store for each and every one of us. And yes, I am talking to you. I believe in you. This is not just true of me or all the other people that you see around you that you see as somehow different than you or separate from you. Or yeah, that's true of her because she has all these specific talents. And No, stop it. Knock it off. You have power and light inside of you. And there is a path for you. There are things in store for you. We need you. The world needs you. Your particular brand of light and exquisiteness. Is that a word? I don't know, and I don't care. But we need your brand of it. I promise you. Because the world is less without you living on purpose and sharing that purpose and that passion and that unique divine light with the rest of us. I love you. I believe in you. You knock my freaking socks off, you guys. Your courage, your dedication every single day. Thank you for being here. Share, subscribe. I love you. I'll see you next week. Make it a great day. You make me feel like I can. When you I'm Natalie Norton, and you have been listening to the Show Up you, Podcast. You understand me, babe. Until next time, my beautiful Girl, friend, my friend, keep showing up, keep that heart wide open. And as always, remember, always your best you is always enough.